Welcome to the All Souls Episcopal Parish in Berkeley's Sermon Podcast. Today is the third Sunday in Advent, and we hear from me, Emily Hansen Kern, as I preach from the lectionary, which this week was John chapter 1, verses 6 to 8, and 19 to 28. As always, you can find more sermons or information about All Souls on our homepage, which is allsoulsparish.org. The way I see the start to the book of John is like that uh, 1977 short film, The Powers of Ten. Does anyone remember that? Okay. Oh, look at, oh, this whole section. <laughs> oh, well, we won't make, yeah, we'll just leave that where it is. <clears throat> um, so we start um, at, at a magnitude of like 10 to the 40th out in the cosmos. And, you know, meteors are flying and whizzing past and uh, with every sentence that goes on, we, we zoom in 10 seconds per, or 10, uh, 10 times every uh, 10 seconds. We're zooming in closer and closer. And the word was God, and the word was with God. I think you get the picture. For those, in fact, who were here for the Christmas Eve of 2018, the Reverend Liz Tischer and I tried to do this with the Nativity story that year. Um, failed miserably, uh, but we were trying to do something uh, like tell the story of why Jesus came, not that Jesus came. And we had this power of ten sort of vision in our heads. So we had the kids depicting the darkness and chaos um, at the start of time. We had them all running up around here with um, glow sticks, and we said, like, run around with as much chaos as you can imagine. <laughs> And, and then uh, a narrator stood up here and said, uh, you know, the different scenes of the Old Testament, and we had kids acting out these mini scenes right here, so like a kid jumping out of a fish's mouth and a kid wrestling with an angel, and it was somewhere around that time that I remember thinking to myself, Phil is never going to let Liz and I write another story together. <laughs> but it all happened because we started here in John, where... Jesus starts with the beginning of time. And quickly, over the course of just five verses, all of this cosmic history is funneled down through a guy named John. It's at that point in the scriptures we read in verse 5 of John 1 that the light shines in the darkness and the darkness did not overcome it. That you would think that our camera in this Powers of Ten scene is going to zoom to Jesus, who's been in the frame this whole time. But instead, as we zoom in closer and closer, maybe something around 10 to the 40th, we realize the camera is actually narrowing in on a guy standing just next to Jesus, to a man named John. Rather than to the one who was the light, the camera pans to the one who made way for this great light, the one who prepared the way, the one who hopes and trusts in the salvation of God. And there is great biblical attention given, just generally, to the ones who prepare the way, for God with us, this Emmanuel, this one who will save we see it in the prophets. We see it in Mary, the mother of Jesus, and in John, this baptizer. Because those who prepare the way are people who carry in them 
and live into the hope of God for the world. And because sometimes the anticipation of preparation, the very hope of it, is as much as the thing itself. Oftentimes, we are saved along the way. So two questions come to mind for me at this point. For what are we preparing? And how do we prepare? So to this question of what are we preparing? As with the prophets and Mary and John, we are preparing for the salvation of God to come. For God to be incarnate within and among us. And what does that mean? What does it mean to await the one who has already come? How do we prepare for God with us when we believe that God is already with us? And not just that, but so often what we think or would hope would be the salvation of God just doesn't come. Pain and wars and destruction didn't end when Jesus entered the world as a baby. In fact, they seem to rage with as much fury as ever in this present moment. So what then is salvation, to be saved by God? What is the advent of God when God has already come? Unfortunately, I'm asking bigger questions than I want to, and I certainly don't know the answers to most of these. But here are the things that I do know. As Christians, we believe there will be something that comes after this life, where true and deep restoration of body and spirit will happen. We look to the life and death of Jesus as this guide to this great mystery. To say more about that would be to speculate on things I cannot know, but for which I trust. And, as Christians, we also believe that the salvation of God is not just in what comes next. We believe that the salvation of God can be found here and now. It's a way of living and participating in the realm of God. It is not just or even necessarily a thing experienced all at once, but in bits and moves and pieces. And all of the passages we just read this morning, I think, give us clues as to what that means. What is that realm of God? So in Isaiah, you'll remember, we just read about this idea of jubilee, a vision of socioeconomic reckoning or leveling, a transformation of material realities for those who have been broken by injustices, by captivity, by debt, by oppression, and by brokenheartedness. In the psalm, we see a restoration of joy and laughter, a return of fortune, in Thessalonians, what is thought to be the oldest letter that we have from Paul, written just about 20 years after Jesus died, we see people who experienced and knew the peace that is the salvation of God in Jesus when he was alive. And in John, we see a figure who wanted to make straight the path to God, where all could see and all could walk, where bodies and identity did not hinder. In short, salvation looks like restoration. When have you experienced those kinds of moments? 
When have you seen or participated in the restoration of material realities, of joy, of peace, of bodies? I think of the moment in our service when we bring forward our thanksgivings every Sunday. These are moments of salvation, of living in the realm of God. When we see and name restored relationships, the joy of a bond with another, new jobs, new opportunities, moments when we thought all hope was lost, but then something shifts and gives us a new perspective. One of my all-time favorite books is Marilyn Robinson's Housekeeping. And there's a famous line from that book, one that is familiar to most of us who attend the Easter Vigil every year, as we read it as a midrash to some of the Old Testament passages we read. Marilyn Robinson writes this, To crave and to have are as like a thing and its shadow. For when does a berry break upon the tongue as sweetly as when one longs to taste it? And when is the taste refracted into so many hues and savors of ripeness and earth? And when do our senses know anything so utterly as when we lack it? For here again is foreshadowing. The world will be made whole. For to wish for a hand on one's hair is all but to feel it. So whatever we may lose, very craving gives it back to us again. Though we dream and hardly know it, longing, like an angel, fosters us, us, smooths our hair, and brings us wild strawberries. To prepare is to hope. It is an act of hope. And sometimes simply carrying hope is as much as the thing itself. So then what does it mean to prepare for the Lord? It means saying yes to the things that carry some of the hope of that realm of God. That is, of restoring what has been broken, or bringing about the year of our Lord where debts will be wiped away and land restored, where the pathways will be made straight and all will have a place at the table. Preparation means not just living or believing in this hope, but to say a bold yes to the hard and seemingly impossible things that come our way that give us some glimmer of restoration. We say yes to these things while we hold the trust that while we might not see the fulfillment of God's salvation in our lifetime, when we move towards it, we enact it, we participate in it, and we can know it. As a church, we've set aside these days in Advent to remember and to reflect, to prepare our own hearts for this Advent of God with us. In these final days before Christmas, then, I challenge you to do this work of preparation, to access in yourselves those things for which you long, to know those things for which you hope. What and who in our lives needs to be restored? Where do you long to see a transformation of material realities? Those things and people broken by injustices, captivity, debt, oppression, brokenheartedness, for those without peace or fortune or joy, 
Can you see a path ahead? Then don't look away. Walk towards it. And in that very act of walking, you prepare a way for yourself and for others into the realm of God. And in moments and bits and pieces, I trust we will know the salvation of God along the way.